this episode i am using my nephew's Minnie mouse headphones because i left my headphones in the car and rios went to work and so uh yeah so here i am so do they look like do they look like mouse ears what does a Minnie mouse headphone look like they have little Minnie mouse bows on the ears and uh just some disney marketing along the periphery of them so they're over the ear there's some cans i got some cans on right now so i can't i can't really hear myself talk um, but I'll make it work. It's cool. So is this, uh, this might be a dumb question, but are those headphones for a child to hear things or to stop them from hearing things? A little bit of both. I think, I think that, uh, they are definitely part of the distract your children into oblivion, uh, <laughs> <laughs> complex that we have going on right now. So, yeah, well, that's it. Cause I've just learned about the genre of headphones for kids that muffle loud noises mm. um which uh for uh the listeners at home today's our big list big list show big time we're lists going, we're going list crazy i've got like i must have like 20 lists so you might have to <laughs> indulge me a little bit like i fucking love lists dude i love this you know well, dude wait do you know how much i love lists how much what do you think uh the name of my favorite boxer is uh is it is it sunny liston Ah. <laughs> hey. hey oh yeah that's okay you beat me the punch there but yeah so uh this leads to my first list um baby headphones was uh something i forgot they kept uh they kept saying you can take a newborn to a baby you're at that sweet spot where they're not old enough to cause a fuss you can just kind of wear a baby and take advantage of it and go see a movie so the first list is the loudest movie of the year award because we, we were unable to watch the movie because of the damage it was doing to all of our ears um and that would be a star is born a star is born oh okay it's the loudest movie of the year because we we thought it'd be clever like the baby's first movie 
would be, you know, <laughs> it's got born, born in the title, right? Right. And so we follow this, you know, internet advice. And again, I hadn't even thought about the headphones thing. And I don't know if you remember if people uh, that have listened to our show might have recalled me complaining about the broken speakers in Hereditary. Uh, so that, okay. Yeah. You remember that? So they gave me a free pass and the free pass was for anything, including IMAX. So like an idiot, I thought, well, let's go to IMAX for our first movie. And we open up the fucking double doors and fucking Bradley Cooper is in a stadium concert in IMAX on a guitar solo. And it's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. So that must be the opening of the movie. That's all I've seen of A Star is Born is we walked in and we both were just traumatized because we immediately looked at each other like we fucked up. The right. baby cannot handle this level of noise. We couldn't handle that level of noise. And we had it all planned, dude. Like we were going to be the only ones there. It was the middle of the day in case we had to leave. We looked at the seating chart. There was no one else in the fucking theater. Mm-hmm. And we turned around and we were so sad. We had like armloads of popcorn and a, and a fucking soda. We sat outside where we could still hear the just bellowing guitar sounds of Bradley Cooper. <laughs> and we were like, maybe, maybe that's not too loud. I don't know. Let, do they sell headphones in the mall? And she uh, tried to download a decibel app on her phone. Okay. So we could see if it was dangerous levels for the baby. So we're sitting there. The decibel app loads. And we turn around to walk in to try it again, and her phone dies. <laughs> so just You're just like, being given a message. It's it's probably yeah, because that movie is really bad. That would be my yeah, guess. That's, that's what I heard. I, I mean, I've heard some people love it that have terrible taste, but I also kind of have terrible taste sometimes. So, and uh, I wanted to. I think I it's really big. A... I think it's really big with like the kind of uh, with like the musical theater crowd. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm tiptoeing around uh, saying gay people. But that's essentially the, the who it seemed to so really work kinda, for. Because of the Lady Gaga, it's kind of campy. Uh, yeah. Well, I I wanted the list today to be definitive. I wanted to – so that's one of the, the one of the things that I can't – The Star is Born might be the best action scene. I don't know. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, so loudest movie award goes to A Star is Born. Do you have a best action scene? Can we jump yes, around I here, do. or do yes, you do you want to you want to jump into that? Because I I have one. Um, yeah, let's go right to it. Best action scene of the year. Go. What's yours? Mine is the uh, meat locker fight scene in the night comes for us. <laughs> a solid scene. I would say I don't want to be contentious here, but I would say that's not the best action scene in that movie. Because that's okay. how good that that's how good that movie is. No, no, no. I uh, I actually it's fine with you being contentious because I I agree with you. So here's what gets the meat locker scene the points is that when I started watching the movie, I had no idea what I was in for. I had seen the raid, and I knew that it was going to be violent, and I'd heard oh it's gory, bloody. But when uh, when the the hero guy snaps off a fucking cow's bone and like digs it into someone's thigh but doesn't just dig it into the person's thigh but drags it down his leg like splitting the whole thing open i think that the reason why that scene gets points for me is that you know there are better better choreographed and and just better overall action scenes later in the film but it doesn't quite match the the oh shit moment of watching him split someone's fucking femoral artery open with a with a bone (laughs) I feel you, because my favorite action scene 
is kind of similar where nobody else would think it was the best action scene in that movie. But the, um, uh, when they, they have the, they're in the warehouse with the pool table. Oh, right. Dude grabs, and I haven't seen this in a movie yet. I've seen people beat people with pool, pool balls before, but he grabs the whole basket that's holding the pool balls uh-huh. and just like whips the shit out of everybody. With and he, it. he, he gets, he gets at least one dude like hardcore in the nuts oh, with it. A, yeah. And mostly he just kind of caves in heads with it and faces. Yeah. But I love this shot from like, it's the pool bag view of the room and it's just kind of dripping like a big fucking it's like truck nuts. Dripping. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I love that. I think, I I think say, maybe the, okay. the, the, the best choreographed fight scene in that movie is between the two chicks. I think that that's probably yeah. the best one. And it's the one that that's I think the, one, the white, I, the white shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I think I think it escalates the best, too, because I think that it it kind of like it ups the madness. And then at the very end, you know, the rest of them kind of have um, they're sort of hindered in a way by the fact that they have to correspond to some kind of plot, you know, and Uh the the two women who fight in that movie are clear add ons to like they they don't really exist in the world of the movie. I think the woman maybe saves the hero at one point with like a sniper mm-hmm. shot from far away. That's right. her entire role in that movie. And then the other one, the one with the kind of like Skrillex side cut, like her whole job in that movie <laughs> is to be pissed off that her girlfriend gets killed, you know? But then yeah, when they go so, at it, like they're un, they're so unburdened by plot, shit. dude. They are unburdened <laughs> by plot. They can just go for it. And it's, I think that's yeah. probably the best one. It's a good one. And not to split hairs, but I don't even, I don't have that in best action scene. The pool ball beatdown I have in her best fight scene. I've distinguished between the two. Oh, good. Um, okay, cool. So best, so best fight scene I actually have is the night comes for us pool hall beatdown. And if we want to still talk about best action scene, because I'm going to be circling back to the night comes for us a couple times on this list, these lists. Okay, cool. It made a couple lists. But best action scene, I don't think you saw it, and there's no real reason why you would have, is – I just don't think anything comes close to Mission Impossible 6, the helicopter chase at the end. I did not see it's, that. I mean, those movies are – they're not great, but Tom Cruise, as we said before, is clearly trying to die on mm-hmm. camera. So right. he's doing a lot of work with real stunts, and he seems to be hanging off helicopters in this and, and maybe even flying one. Who knows what they do in Scientology, but the final – helicopter chase has got to be 15 minutes long at the least maybe longer and 15 minutes action scene on camera feels like an hour you know if it's done right it, it feels like five seconds but the helicopter scene is all practical effects near as i can tell and it's just amazing you know, mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a great sequence it's by the fucking dude that did way way of the gun he's come so far that uh mccory guy mccory yeah yeah I, uh, how was the the fight scene where uh superman loads his arms you seen that <laughs> like, oh yeah that's a good scene and that guy is really good in it um i like those the, a lot of the scenes are uh, i don't want this to sound accidentally racist but you know because we're giving so much love to a night comes for us i think i can get away with it mm-hmm. i liked how in mission impossible six the fight scenes feel kind of American. Okay. They're, yeah, for people, sure. People, people are throwing bombs, you know, mm-hmm. people are throwing cheap shots. Heads are going through like bathroom uh, urinals that when it doesn't have a lot of precision. Right. You know, it's not, it's not like everybody was Kung Fu. It's, uh-huh. it's more like 
it's more like you said, dude locks up his big stupid fists. And it's kind of like in the the best scene in Dark Knight Rises when Bane just goes into berserker mode and he starts beating up a pillar and knocking concrete out of it. Because <laughs> yeah. he's punching, uh, what's his name, Christian Bale in the stomach, like boom, 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 and the music ramps up, and Christian Bale moves, and he just keeps hitting the wall and yeah. knocking pieces out of it. Yeah, that's That feels like, even though Bane is from, what, some third world hellhole yeah. that feels like an american fight scene compared Dude, to the and it'll precision. get you it, it'll get you a fucking planet fitness membership asap <laughs> once you see that you're like fuck yeah dude. Exactly. and plus it's like it's a great i don't like there's a couple kinds of fighting i don't like i've complained about it before the dance fighting like in superhero movies hate that shit and i'm not a fan i mean i don't know if this is going to peg me as uh just not a fan of of women fighting in movies and it's not true because the movie i'm gonna rip on right now has a pretty brutal great fight scene in it but like over sexualized fighting like an atomic blonde which has oh, a yeah. it has a brutal fight but just like you know you know what i'm talking about like they're fighting and then they do that scissor neck thing and then they straddle someone's face and it's all like sexual mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's it's just lame i don't like it i like i just like people throwing painful bomb people looking like you wouldn't real fight as close as you can get which is only two or three punches in and you're going to the hospital right and i think that's what i liked a lot about uh the night comes for us is every single fight for the most part it it actually looks like people are trying to kill each other which i like too like i'd like if a fight lasts for a long time it's because you know the other person is so good like that last fight in the night comes for us between the two heroes where they're just like fucking each other up. Like they, yeah, it doesn't that, look like they're movie, holding back. There's exceptions to all of this. Like Night Comes for Us is full of people with a lot of martial arts ability. It sidesteps all my criticisms because it's just a meat grinder of a movie mm-hmm. where I can't, I, I can't, I, it gives me so much to work with that I can't fault it for. Like you have to have people with varying specialties in the because there's so many fights i don't think i've seen a movie with that many fights in it Mm -hmm. so i got no i got no complaints so that's one of those hypocritical moments but yeah uh mission impossible six i would say best action scene although i can't in good conscience recommend the movie i know your favorite version of mission impossible is wherever fred durst is doing the theme song (laughs) (laughs) which is fucking great because can you imagine they give him, they're like, hey, you want to do Mission Impossible soundtrack? And he's like, oh, yeah. And what does he rap about? Not about espionage. It's about his hat getting hate from the critics. Haters. Haters. He, <laughs> yeah, he, he haters. raps about haters. No, I uh, I mentioned that to, to Jordan Harper uh, when we were talking um, a few weeks ago. And he was like, shut up, dude. No. Like, he thought that I was fucking around. I was like, no. Limp Biscuit did the theme song for Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> I know why they want to hate me. And then and like, so, it, has the, it has the typical sing songy lyric that he puts in like five of his songs where it's la 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 la. Yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. in, it's, that's where it comes from, is that song first, I think. The Mission Impossible, what is it, four? Five? I don't remember. No, it's, it might be three. Which one? I don't remember. The one that Limp Biscuit does the theme music Two. for. The, the, oh, it, it's back that far. It's back that far, and what's so amazing oh, is it's John, it's John he, he did the John Woo one. John oh, John Woo that, got that Limp Biscuit. One. <laughs> That's by far the worst one. 
but it's also kind of the best one because it's that's the rock climbing one and the no, motorcycle. Listen, listen to this, dude. Okay, so the opening scene of Mission Impossible Two, Ethan Hunt is climbing just this <laughs> pillar of rock in the desert for no discernible reason, and he's doing it. Hell yeah, he's he's not doing it with any fucking cables, dude. He's just yeah. he's he's free climbing that shit. Sometimes he's got to jump from rock to rock. That's yeah. Tom Cruise trying to die on yeah, he's, he's he's trying to die, dude. But like <laughs> so he he does that. He gets to the very top and then he puts on like a helicopter flies by and shoots a tube at him <laughs> and it lands at his feet. He opens up the tube. Get this. Wait, wait for it. There's a pair of sunglasses inside. <laughs> so he puts he puts the sunglasses on. The sunglasses give him his mission. And then it's like, this message is going to self-destruct. And so he takes the sunglasses off, throws them towards the camera. They explode. <laughs> Title card, bitch. Mission Impossible 2. It's so badass. Do you notice how – and that, that's hilarious because the new movies are trying to be ultra-realistic. Right? Uh, yeah. Back back then, they didn't they did not try that at all. But I love how when the message is going to self destruct, it's like this very gentle self destruct. <laughs> like it does, it would blow somebody's face off. But yeah. instead, it's like it's like a little. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like it's like they did the first one with De Palma, and they were like, okay, this is a little campy, a little cheesy. And then they did the John Woo one, and they they saw what direction it was going in, yeah. and, and then they're like, we got to get Philip Seymour Hoffman for part three. Like this yeah. has got to this has got to make a hard turn. So it was it was three where they started actually, uh, I think, trying to make them quote unquote real movies. Right. That's with what's his name, uh, uh, fucking Cloverfield guy did that one. Oh really? Um, I didn't know that. And Philip Seymour Hoffman is a surprisingly scary villain in that one. Dude, he's just he's good in everything. Like that he's that, op- that opening scene where he uh shoots quote unquote uh Hunt's girlfriend, you know? Right. He's he's doing the countdown. And it's something you've seen in so many movies where like the bad guy's giving the hero an ultimatum. I'm gonna count to, to three and you're gonna give me the whatever. But then he actually does it. Oh dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mission Impossible. Yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I probably will watch uh, Fallout, but six is good. It's good. I mean, I like them. They're, they're the American versions of James Bond at this point. So that we, you know, I embrace them. They're doing practical effects. Tom Cruise has limitless money to keep doing them. Is is in this one? Is he is he going rogue again? Because I feel like he's always <laughs> he's, he's been, always rogue oh, yeah, in these movies. Been, yeah, it's another movie where he's been, you know disavowed <laughs> yeah yeah it's like has he ever been avowed like <laughs> i think they killed someone filming it that's how you always know that they put a lot of effort into it every time i see it i might be wrong but every time i see a mission impossible movie i'm pretty sure that it's dedicated to a stuntman like the end, <laughs> they're like it's always some poor bastard you know dedicated to you know uh joey gator uh, Frankowitz, Spuds, who, who, Spuds who, Dynamite. Spuds Dynamite went face first through that window so that we could make a couple billion. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. My biggest question about those movies is like, if it asks him if he choose, it always asks, do you choose to accept the mission? So does that mean there's like a hundred dudes out there that don't like, accept nah. the missions? Who got to the top uh, of the mountain and they were like, pass, hard pass. Yeah, like, <laughs> Like, do they cast a wide net with all these people? And there's just a ton of people just going, fuck that. Yeah. And then and he, and Ethan Hunt, they're like, let Hunt take it. He loves the overtime. 
He's just the nerd. Like they don't send it to anybody else. They're like, so Ethan, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you choose to accept, oh God, I do. What is it? What do you got? What do you got? Oh, and they're like, I'm not taking it because every time I take a fucking assignment, I get disavowed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm really tired of getting disavowed. We'll give it to Hunt. He's been disavowed for appara- apparently fucking like two thirds of his career. He's been right. completely and rogue. He'll, he'll bring in his he'll bring in his crack squad. Yeah. Of, like Ving Rames, whose face is like boiled meat now. He's just a big, <laughs> big, big boy. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. It's like, what a crack team of, you know, hackers you got. Anyway, so best action scene, Mission Impossible 6. All right, um, ne- next list. Cha-ching. Next, cha-ching. Um, so this one, um, I've got best movie I'll probably never see. Uh, this is a, I wondered if you had the same situation. Hmm. Think of a universally acclaimed, everybody loves it. And you just know you're never going to fucking see it. Uh, Spider-Man into the (laughs) Spider-Verse. That's that's mine. (laughs) That's mine too, dude. (laughs) So my universally acclaimed, don't fucking care. Everyone is like, this is the best movie of the year. Hands down. It seems to have a great meta joke commentary on how, you know, Hollywood and the Marvel Industrial Complex has assaulted viewers. Who cares? I yeah. don't care. It's yeah. a fucking comic book movie. I will never see it. I'm sorry. I know you guys are probably like, dude, no, seriously, it's really, really good. But it's I got would, Spider I, Ham in. I do not give a fuck. I don't care. No, I'm not watching that movie. So that may be on other lists. I'll never see it. I'm sorry. I can't do it. I don't, I've, um, you know, I've grown past that. I don't want to. Not that you. <laughs> You guys can go buy your Funko Pops. Go see Spider-Man. Dude, I saw a guy uh, today when I was getting my tire fixed. I told you I had a, fl- I had a flat. That's the way to push uh-huh. this back. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have anything to do, so I started walking around, and I sat on a fucking uh, bus bench. Some dude running for the bus. He's cradling a Funko Pop the, in the box like a baby. <laughs> Grown-ass man. And I'm thinking, what? What is the emergency with your toy, bro? Like, I, I have a story. I have a story. Are they, can I just ask you, though? I don't know anything about these things. Do they? Are they like? Are they like those Disney movies where there's a moratorium on certain ones? Because this guy seemed really – he was really protecting it. He was protecting it like the fucking Queen's Jewels. No, it's not that. It's not that at all. I th- I, I, th- are they hard to get, hard to get or something? Some of them are. So I think – so there are some that are – difficult to get and there are some that are worth like a fortune of course they're like beanie babies basically so there are some that are worth a lot most aren't worth anything but the reason why this guy was probably protecting and cradling his uh precious vinyl (laughs) doll uh stems from the fact that these people are absolutely insane so i (laughs) i had a question in my head i was like are these things biodegradable because my my question is is like are all these people who are you know crying over Gillette ads and pretending to be woke, but at the meantime they have like five thousand Funko Pop dolls that like those aren't going to there's going to be a floating island in the Pacific of Funko Pop dolls of that that won't ever biodegrade. So I, I was looking up trying to find out if these th- turns I mean they're not biodegradable at all. But what I managed to find out was. Um, that in 2014, Funko, the the company, the eponymous uh, company, 
they introduced new packaging for the Funko Pops. And the packaging itself went from being the kind of uh, plastic that most things are, are cased into sort of biodegradable, a biodegradable, like shrink-wrapped plastic bag. And so I found this out on a Funko Pop forum, which is just a, an absolute just nadir for internet <laughs> loserdom. Um, but people were on this this message board, dude, like saying, fuck that. No, I want the packaging to look exactly the way... They didn't want the biodegradable packaging because they didn't want anything about the box. Yeah, there's there's very stackable. Like That's the only thing I know about them. There was, there's a uh, comic book store near where our farmer's market is. Mm-hmm. And so I wandered in there looking. I thought, hey, I wonder what's what's going on in this new comic book store, right? And, and even though it's called a comic book store, <clears throat> excuse me, the half the store are stacks of these fucking right. toys. Of, these, the, of the Funko yeah. Pops, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they stack perfectly like a, I don't even know what to compare it, like Legos. The whole wall was full of them. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and that's when I knew something had gone terribly wrong. Well, there's, I mean, and so... The human, ex, the human experiment had gone wrong. Yeah, just, just, to, just to put a... The, they're selling people the same toy over and over with right. a light dusting of paint. And they're like, this time like, it's Lobo. It's like, yeah, oh with my your, God. Jesus. Your island... You said there's going to be an island of them. Hit they get that island gets hit with a stiff wind, and that fucking paint comes off. They'll all just be like these blue, dead-eyed, <laughs> these little oh, yeah. these little toddler toys that look exactly the same. Like the minimum amount of effort to distinguish them from each other, I just don't understand it. But anyway, well, and I yeah. guess I guess just to kind of like put a put a button on that story. What what proceeded from that was a, probably a hundred comments that I really shouldn't have read, all about how much people love and get this. They keep the packaging, right? Even if they take the toy out of the box, these psychopaths keep the packaging. <laughs> it's like, dude, Marie Kondo is so right. Like, you guys have got to get rid of some of this. If you're keeping Funko Pop packaging, that's that's a hoarder mentality. That's like the lady who's sitting on a fucking pile of empty toothpaste tubes. You, you... That's what I was telling you about that fucking – everybody was mad about that woman saying, you know, declutter because they said she was being an elitist because, well, you know, poor people don't have stuff. So, you, But it's like people, people that don't have money to burn are still pack rats. They're still oh, yeah. hoarders. And there's just – I I don't I didn't really see what the big deal was about that particular like suggestion of decluttering. Plus, I I don't know the the fucking Gillette ad. It at at the least it got people not talking about her. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like one thing I didn't know anything about to another thing I didn't know anything about. But then I made the mistake of looking at this commercial. And speaking of psychopaths, people that are either pretending to I'm sorry. Men are either pretending to cry over it or they're really crying over this commercial. And I think they might be a danger to society. Yeah, I think you should probably at that point be committed. I mean, if if, if an ad has – oh well, you know, okay, so I kind of take that back. I mean, if, if the music swells right and there's like a puppy, if it's a dog dying thing, I would probably – just because I'm easy when it comes sure. to dogs or like you're like, or like a dad giving a son a hug and being like, you, you, I'm proud of you, son. Have a, I'd be have like, a catch. I'd be like, I'd be like, Oh man, I never had that. I'm, like, I, I, I wish I had it, a dad. I, I, I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like it, that 
we've kind of reached a new low with an advertising an advertisement you know speaking the obvious about you know catcalling bullying rape is bad mm-hmm. and people are just like oh you know it's going to change some if one kid sees it it'll change no no one no one really thinks some little shitbag kid is going to see that commercial you see those kids with the fucking maga hats yelling at the old yeah, native yeah, dude it's like oh yeah yeah see. you're going to really change yeah, them with a maybe, fucking gillette yeah. ad get the fuck out no it's a way for people to pat themselves on the back it's like sure go out and buy their toxic shaving cream with their plastic disposable razors that are also adding to your fucking funko pop island <laughs> so those fucking funko pops and and pretend they, for they a second they can start they can shave themselves pretend for a second that it wasn't some cynical thing that came up in an ad room where so they realized sick. like hey the people who buy our shit tend to lean this way anyway we might as well up our sales on this yeah, particular dude. democrat get the fuck out. and then like oh you're not going to go to a single march you're not going to do a single thing you're not going to donate a single dollar to any cause but oh online you'll you'll cry over a commercial i have nothing but disdain for you it's nothing yeah, it's really fucking crazy every quarter i teach an advertising unit where we analyze the visual rhetoric of commercials and mostly, most students choose Super Bowl ads because they're big. You know, it's it's got a lot to. There's a lot to work with there. Sure, you get a you get a good paper out of it. And I can tell you right now, dude, that that Gillette ad is a failed Super Bowl commercial that they dumped early. Yep. Because they knew, like, if they dropped it during the Super Bowl, that would actually be a brave move because you would get America going, "What the fuck?" Mm-hmm. And that's if you want to, you know rattle those cages that's when you do it mm-hmm. but instead they they dump it on suckers early to encourage like like i said these dust-ups between liberals and ever so slightly less liberals yeah. are the only people's going fucking toe-to-toe going to the mattresses over this thing yeah. the rest of the people are just like what the fuck you yeah, yeah. This it, shit? Well, i mean it, like it, if, if what they don't understand is that the one thing that people from the midwest and the south and that encompasses most classes therein, is that the one thing that they hate more than anything is being preached to. They cannot stand it, which might seem a little weird considering that they watch movies like God's Not Dead. So I guess I should (laughs) amend that to say they don't like being preached to from liberal people, right? They like being preached to from, I mean, the same way that we like being preached to about stuff that we like. But you're not going to reach them through... This ad, I don't know, man. I, 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 no, I one half of me you. is like, I, I don't care. But the other half of me is like, just well, live it at the people I, who, who, who are pretending. You're pretending to care at a certain I know, point. I know. You're pretending. And, they, and I couldn't, you know, I tried I tried to tiptoe into that conversation and say that I thought it was genuinely a bad, pedantic kind of fucking ad that was pretty cynical because of who it was targeted towards. Like I said to you, mm-hmm. I've never watched a commercial on purpose in a, I don't know how many years until I hear a buzz about it like this one. I seek it out. I push play on YouTube or whatever. So I did exactly what they wanted me to do. And so I felt like I had to kind of lash out because I felt suckered. You know, I, I actually sought out a commercial and watched it because they made it part of the conversation. And that and you know me pretty well by now that that kind of shit drives me nuts. Even yeah, if same. it's something I even if I agree with it, it drives yeah, me fucking me crazy. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's not that far removed from. Do you remember when Chick-fil-A had a bunch of anti-gay shit? And so all these people went and lined up at the drive-thru and took pictures of themselves. Like, here, we're eating Chick-fil-A to stick it to the libs. It's like, go fuck so, yourself, dude. And Yeah, and so now it's like people are going to go buy Gillette to, like, stick it to the to the right. And it's like, and who, you know, the only person that is just reaping the rewards of this are these companies that are laughing their asses off, these 
fucking cigar chomping monsters are, are the ones who said, you know what, this would be a good one to throw at him. Let's get some, let's get a talk. Let's get a conversation going. Right. It's so fucking cynical. And I just don't, the di- and like I said, with movies, you know, if it was a, just like with message movies, if the commercial wasn't so endlessly embarrassing, I would probably be singing another tune, but I've yet to be moved to tears by a commercial. I probably never will be. So I well, just can't get as worked up about that conversation because the message isn't for me. I don't need to be taught how to be the, a good man. Well, and, and I think, I think that the, the big thing, this is the kind of controversial, uh, soundbite that I'll leave on is that the reason why so many people want to defend the Gillette ad so strongly, uh, because, you know, obviously our social circle is mostly authors and, Mm -hmm. uh, they've built their entire platform off of, uh, cynically pandering to, uh, kind of liberal think pieces basically by always Mm -hmm. saying the right thing. I'll say that much. And so I think that the reason why they can't for a second, even entertain the thought that liberal dudes like you and me might be kind of horrified by something like this is because if they start doing that, then they have to walk it back and realize that their entire online persona has been this kind of cynical parroting of talking points designed to sell books, which by the way, still doesn't work. You have to, you have to write a good book first. Um, So I think that, I think that that's really what it is, man. And I think that's why like, you and me tend to get backlash whenever we do anything like this. And it's because Americans in particular have this bad habit of, of taking things personally and seeing themselves in, in critiques. And I yeah. think if you critique the, the uh, Gillette ad as being a cynical you know, mechanism of capitalism, they see themselves in the microcosm as doing the same thing. So they, right. they, they leap to defend it. So and there's so many, fuck there's all so many bad, yeah. And so many bad faith arguments. Like I, I started off by saying I didn't think it was a good commercial, and then I just get all this sort of subtweeting of people pissed at me, um, saying like, you know, if you if you have a problem with this commercial, you're part of the problem. Yeah. Why are you so upset, Dave? Yeah. It's like now I am upset. Right. <laughs> you know, I really wasn't early on. I can never prove it to you mm-hmm. that I wasn't until you told me I was. Yeah. But like I was saying, dude, I look back fondly on the days when bad movies were like. The, oh, that was the only product that got a, pay, a pass for an unimpeachable message. Right. But now like we've got a crash or some shit. Yeah. But now we've got an actual product that mm-hmm. states the obvious. And people are just falling all over themselves to have their 9,000 words about how amazing this company is. You're, they're fucking killing me. And everybody's like, they're brave. Finally, they're brave enough to say it. Ask, how, ask their, uh, <laughs> their, their, their slaves in China how they feel about how brave they are. You fucking least, absolute dunces you fucking hypocrites this is the uh, the last i'll say about it but this and this might make no sense out loud but i wanted to see if i could make it make sense out loud okay so young young dave is watching tv back in the 80s and princess diana says that she's uh anti-landmines i don't know if you remember this before your time so princess diana is it does this sort of uh you know public awareness spots on landmines i guess they were a problem and i remember seeing that and as a dumb kid i thought what the fuck is there somebody out there who's pro landmine (laughs) because but i'm but of course i'm an idiot because what she was doing was giving people awareness of that there's a problem that nobody knows about which is there's these landmines that no one cleaned up right 
So in these countries, people are accidentally stepping on poor people are stumbling into them. That's what she meant. But in my dumb head, I'm thinking, is she trying to say landmines are bad and there's somebody out because she just thought that's, you know, that's something nobody would ever argue with. Right. Right. Where's, so I would say to anybody who would, you know, make the mistake of talking to me at the time, (laughs) do you think that there's somebody who's pro landmines out there? Right. But anyway, long story short, I feel like the, in a way that this is sort of like the anti-landmine, the way I thought of it. But real. But real, yeah. yeah. Like, is there anybody out there who's pro being a piece of shit? Because I, if you think about I, I just have a hard time believing that people that are a piece of shit aren't aware that they're a piece of shit. Yes, so, I mean, there's some. I, th- I think that everybody knows the person who they could point to who definitely knows that they're being a piece of shit. Um, I think they exist, but I think they're definitely a minority. I think they're a minority to being the point of like a straw man. I think it's a it's an yeah. insignificant minority. I think but most like people the... don't think that they are. Um, and then yeah, most I of might the people... be I'm, I might be way off base on that. But I just knows? kept thinking about who's pro landmine and started to I had flashbacks to right, that right, to right. that moment. But hey, at least at least the fucking Gillette ad steered conversations away from that fucking declutter guru woman or whoever. Yeah, right. That's and all true. she and all she said was eliminate thirty writers from your life, and I think that is amazing. That's advice. such good advice. You should eliminate actually most writers from your life. Or, I have. Yeah, they, I've been looking say, through, and I've been like, I've no, been was it, finding some wait, people online who I find like really cool and interesting, and I'm like. <laughs> Oh my god! I've been like following dildos for the past five years, and they're actually wrong, cool though. people. It, does that mean? Did she say to hang on to thirty writers? Or hang, she hang say, on, hang and hang oh, on, and eliminate so everybody that means, else. So yeah. that means eliminate most Facebook people need to eliminate like fifteen hundred writers from yes, their life. Yes. So and I did. So I did hear that. Amazing right. idea. Okay. It's an amazing I, I idea. Thought, yeah. I thought I heard that right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next list. Jeez, oh, I know I could fucking talk about that forever. Um. Okay, uh, this is fun because I like to see where your brain goes. I have a the movie that gets better as it goes award. The movie that gets better as it goes award. Do 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 do. Well, okay, all right. What do you think that you think that might be? Um, you want to hear mine? Yeah, go ahead. House that Jack. House that Jack built. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. No. You know, because I thought I was in trouble. I thought, oh no, <laughs> this, yeah. this movie uh, is everything people were complaining about as far as it thinking it's too cutesy. You know, it's, it's thinks it's real. And the, you remember we were talking about the way it kept the, the narrator kept like cutting him off at the knees every time he right. would say something remotely interesting. It's like right. this movie's not committing to anything. What, what is this? Then I just sort of, I don't know whether I spent enough time with the characters to where it didn't bother me as much anymore. And people can go to the actual episode to hear all our opinions of it. Mm-hmm. But thinking about it later, I think I, I think that I definitely liked the last half a lot. I did too. Yeah. I liked the last half a lot, but like that thing that you're talking about where they're, they're walking uh, in the dark and, and yeah. Virgil's talking to him. I think it would be funny if he was like, you know, as a serial killer, I tend to enjoy Starbursts over Skittles. <laughs> oh, you think you're so interesting with your candy choices, Jack? Everyone prefers Starburst over Skittles. 
And it would then, then cut to super slow motion of them like riding a raft of naked people. Yeah. And one guy, one guy's got like a, a thing of starburst in his hand. <laughs> I would also give that the award for best use of super slow-mo. Like he has those moments where people are just like almost barely perceptibly moving, climbing up the rocks or, I, I like. Oh, his, it's an absolute that. ridiculous up its own ass movie, but I did like it the more it went. I think yeah. I started liking it once he killed the kid and turned him into a puppet. I thought that that was cool. And he's good at super slow mo. Remember, Melancholia had those real super slow mo moments. Antichrist did too. The Antichrist yes. had the super oh. slow mo of the dick going in the pussy. <laughs> super slow mo fucking while the baby fell out the window. Yeah. Which is a representative of life and death. <laughs> oh, you think you're so special for making a child fall out of the window while Willem Dafoe has ugly sex with his wife? <laughs> Give me a stomachache. Uh, oh, next okay. list. Next list. Uh, okay. Most annoying dialogue. Most annoying dialogue, and I will say that it's not necessarily a particular exchange. I would call it a most annoying dialogue trend. And this has been going on for about two years now. Interesting. Okay. It's. I will give you a hint. It happens. Uh, it happens a lot in Michael Bay movies, but by no means is it exclusive to Michael Bay. Huh. Very serious. Very serious movies do this bullshit. I can't stand it. Hmm. I'll go I, ahead. And, uh, I'm gonna go ahead. And, I don't like. I don't know. Go ahead. I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, let's imagine something dangerous is happening. Things are escalating. Things are getting crazy. And oh. I go. No. Oh no. 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 Oh, that is that. Is that, is that what you mean? When... Fucking stand, dude. So many characters this year go. No. 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 <laughs> and now that you've heard it, you now that you've heard it, you can't unhear it. It's got to stop, though. It's like in every genre movie. It's the new, just like that, just like that. I, uh, I, I want to take that. Mother, it, was, it was in Bird Box. It was definitely in Bird Box. Sandra Bullock did it like mm. three times. Three times she goes, no, 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 no. Sounds like a fucking... Sounds like a fucking Muppet. <laughs> oh, man, that movie sucks so much balls. Um, no, I, I want to take that. Actually, I'll take that a step further. So I'll take your no, no, no. And I will raise you uh, – Shane Black's The Predator has absolutely – Does it have a, a mother of God? Because I hate that too when people go mother of God. They, it doesn't have mother of God. It definitely has a no, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> but on top of that – so I think I got Shane Black figured out, dude. I think I know what he does. I think he he takes these genre tropes, right, and he writes them um, – completely just as they are. He doesn't subvert them in any way, shape, or form. But what he'll do is in every movie, he'll have a character that comments on the tropes. So it's this classic case of him having his cake and eating it too that drives me fucking crazy. Because it's like you're not doing anything. It's the same movie that we've seen over and over and over again. But you've got one character like, oh, is this the part where everybody explains to us what's going on? And then somebody explains what's going on. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, I don't know. It bothers oh, me. You, you're running away from an explosion, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're the first one to have a scientist explain that the predator has three penises, Jack. 
uh, we've kind of backed into one of my lists, and you okay, might go you, for it. You might you might lash out at me. Okay. I have the Predator as the best half of a movie, okay. which was di- which was different than the movie that got better as it went. Best half of a movie. I was kind of into it for the first half. I thought there was like there was a couple really clever things. All that shit you said totally valid, but there was some clever callbacks where. I could tell Shane Black was working hard to put some to put some thought into the script, like the the way the um, to wear the predator mask for Halloween and have the kid accidentally murdering people when he goes to their houses. Uh-huh. I thought I thought that was pretty sweet. And the and I also liked the idea that where they found a clever way to make people get naked, like at the beginning, you know, they have to de louse or whatever to go into that secret lab Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a smart way to make somebody um not a threat to the predator because he's he'll kill you if you're a threat and so he'd he'd very cleverly inceptioned us with like this moment where you have to go and get totally naked and i thought that's fun gratuitous nudity to start off Mm -hmm. and then later she's back in the she happens to be at the naked moment when the predator's breaking out and he sees her in there and he you know he scans her and then lets her go because she's naked and i thought that's it's i guess it goes towards what you're saying about having your cake and eating it too it's like here's some gratuitous nudity but also necessary Mm -hmm. because it's it saves her life Mm -hmm. so i thought that kind of shit was clever there's some groaners but like you know, a kid murdering people while trick or treating played for laughs. I thought was a bold move, but like you know, when it it turns into such such horseshit at the end, and then then the inexcusable like promise of an Iron Manish sequel with a fucking Predator Iron Man suit. It's and what it's does he say? Bad. Like he's he's supposed to be a country guy, but his accent comes in and out. He's like, that's my Jimmy suit or some dumb bullshit at the end. It's like, um, no. Okay. So the thing about the predator is that I don't, I don't hate the predator at all. I think there's some moments in it that are really cool. I think the first reveal of the predator is tight when he's, uh, invisible and he cuts a body in half and he's like yeah. he's knocked out and like the blood drips over his face so you start to see the predator's face we, we should note we should note that the predator you're describing who is gutting people that's the good predator here to help us yeah exactly exactly and then there's a bad super predator and then there's the dog predators who they just this movie just forgets about dogs so there's a pit bull like that's in it and then they're just like they're, they drive away, and the pit bull's like, Oof, and that's like the end of the pit bull character. And then there's the predators' yeah. dogs that they brainwash and like comes in to save the day once. And then they're like, oh, what do we do with this? And then they're like lock it in the back of a van. Never hear about that predator. Yeah, dog why? Ever I thought again. it was gonna have a big hero moment. Didn't they shoot it in the head to make it good? Yeah, Didn't they they, weird, they, Anton, they Anton sugared it. They were they basically <laughs> they put the cattle prod up to it and chunk, and then it was like Instead I'm of a falling friend dead. now. Yeah. yeah, it just like shakes off the wound, and then it's like, er, hey, hey, George, <laughs> and it starts following him around. And I thought it was gonna, you know, come in and save the day, and it may have, but it gets so incomprehensible towards the end. And it's like you don't, you don't, you don't need a fucking, you don't need a fucking predator super weapon when three people. Uh, without any real great technology, end up taking out one of the super predators. So it's completely and, and doable, and, apparently. And that, and that super predator fucking, it was all CGI. It looked like shit. And it just looked like a predator, but bigger. So but, yeah. I, don't know, fuck, it, I don't know. Fuck that and movie. Plus the, and plus that movie has, there's a new movie vocabulary that I detest. And it's right up there with the no, 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 no. 
is swirling high-tech hologram bullshit. Mm-hmm. So you got all these people like swiping their hands, you know, like Minority Report style with swirling bullshit, like bloops and bleeps. The, and like the kid gets the mask and there's like a floating readout and he starts n- manipulating it with his mm-hmm. fingers. That shit is so annoying because it's those little technology symphonies mm-hmm. are so meaningless. It's just a way of saying insert advanced technology, insert mastery of it. It's like when you find out that the the code in the matrix that, that drops down at the beginning of the film is actually like when you, I guess when you translate it, it's just like a recipe for sushi that the guy who made the opening credits found. (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's basically what all this shit is. It's like, what does this even mean? There's one line, there's one line in the predator. That's pretty good where uh, some one character calls the other one retarded and they go, dude, don't say that shit. His son is retarded. And it's the this little autistic kid that's who knows weird, how to do yeah, all weird. the all the predator stuff. I like that part. Yeah, he can do all that technology. And that's a very Shane Black line. But yeah, yeah. the uh Funny Shoes. The... He's Mr. Funny Shoes from Mimic, Mr. by the way. Funny shoes. Yeah. But yeah, all the fucking Marvel movies are full of those holograms. And yeah. that 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 you know, just always some sort of readout in front of the screen. That that sort of movie vocabulary needs to stop. Yeah. Um, and there and there's also another thing in the Predator movie that is up there with the no no nos is the it's hard I, I might not be able to describe it but there's a move that monsters do that like the Hulk does and it's where something is roaring and they do this sort of wrestling move where they kind of cross their arms in front of their chest and then they stick their chest out and mm-hmm. roar. You know what I mean? It, it kind of yeah. looks like a kung fu move, but no, no fucking monster would do that. You know no, what I mean? No, because there's, then, there's no real reason to do it. Yeah. And I think yeah, there must be like some fucking shut-in computer programmer in New Zealand, and like, you know, industrial light magic, and they're like, we need you to fucking am- a- animate this predator, and he's like, but I haven't been paid in a year, and they're like, just fucking do it. Yeah. And he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to do this fucking wrestling move. So every creature in a movie in America in the past year has these things doing this cross chest fist and then roar. Yeah, it's like, honey, I have this great new job. I'm animating the Predator. And they're like, well, what do you do? I was like, well, I had this one shot, right? So the Predator is supposed to be really scary. It's like, it's like, so what are you making it do? It's like, I'm making them do the X-Pac suck it motion. You know, the X across the crotch, just boom, boom, boom. That makes as much sense, honestly. It's fucking stupid. That manta ray guy in the Aquaman trailer does that same move before yeah. he shoots his, his eye beams. I refuse just, to see that shit. I've, I've heard yeah. some people be like, oh, it's actually great. Cause the, no, uh-huh. fuck, fuck anybody who says that shit. Fuck it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. But that leads us to the predator. Since we're talking monsters, uh, I have a list of these, these lists, if you'll notice, have one thing on them. It's a, it's a very obvious cheat that people might start, they might start being on to us, yeah. but the, my best monster list, again, just one thing on it because the monsters suck this year. It's a movie that technically came out last year overseas. We both liked it. The best monster of the year is sort of based on an insect called the pelican spider. Is this ringing any bells? Oh, I do. Rem- I do. Imagine, let me describe a pelican spider is like a spider body, but then it's got an elongated. Uh, is it? The, and that, is it and the, then, it's not the relic, is it? Sort of close. It starts with an R. 
Uh, oh, Even, no, the ritual. Duh. The that, ritual. That's, the that's, ritual. What, that's, what, I, that's yes. what I meant to say. Yeah. No, I agree. Best, that, that monster rules. Best monster of the year. Yeah. Not Now, of course, not when it takes on the appearance of a meaningful convenience store memory. But when the monster is a monster. That's I, awesome. And I love, I love that it's like it's this big giraffe tree looking thing. And then when you get up close to it, it's got this little anime face and these cute little arms that grab people. It's yeah, like, it's oh. It's got a like a torso kind of dangling there, like it died. Right, right. it's pretty. Right. It's pretty sweet. I love it. It's a it's dope ass sponsor. That movie fucking ruled up till yeah. All the like, we need flashbacks to make sure everybody knows that he really feels guilty. It's like you know, how about how about you just have the the opening scene, which I thought did all the work of that. Like it did a hundred percent of the work. You see the guy go into the convenience store. Uh, his his friend gets murdered. He doesn't do shit to help him. That's all we. Why do we keep having to be reminded? You know, like, are we, mm-hmm. I guess it is because people are stupid. Uh, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I want to rewatch that movie. It, it's one of those movies where. It was really good, re- man. It was a great I movie. Like, oh, I liked it a lot. When it gets, when they get released overseas, I kind of feel like I'm playing catch up. Um, but I think that counts as like a 2018 movie. Um, do you want me to still keep on the little lists or go to our, I have a top 10. I have an actual top 10 for people that are getting impatient. Um, the little lists are fun. I'm kind of having fun right now. I'm, I'm having fun too. Uh, let's take a quick break real fast. I got to use the restroom and All right, I'm gonna get, some get, get some drink and stuff. But I'll be right, back. I'll be back in like two minutes. So um, let's oh, okay. So my thought process is, uh, you want to do the big list and then go back to small lists, or okay. just keep it with the small lists. It's either way is fine. Whatever you want to do. How about because I heard you talking about this movie the other day. Um, I have a small list called the most effective example of otherwise the otherwise horrible trend of we've talked about the young adultification of film. Uh-huh. Everything's kind of YA these days, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There was a movie that 
probably arguably is exactly that, but everything seemed to to work. And that was leave no trace. Pretty much probably a young adult experience. And you watched it recently and I think you liked it too. Did you see Leave Leave No Trace where the dude with the, his daughter on the run, they live in the woods? Yeah, yeah. So Leave No Trace is about a guy who lives in Forest Park in Portland with his daughter. And they have kind of a neat camp uh, set up there where they kind of are self-sustaining. And, you know, my number one favorite thing, dude, people doing stuff. Like people the, do it. The, they do a lot of shit. The first 20 minutes, actually the whole movie, but the first 20 minutes especially are just straight up people doing stuff porn for me. You know, it's like, right. how, how do they how do they cook stuff? What do they do with like, what do they put like the crushed up shells around their garden to keep bugs yeah. out? Like, I love that the shit, egg, dude. Yeah, the eggshells. Yeah, the, yeah, oh, the eggshells. That's what it is. Yeah, and it's like, and, and so basically what ends up happening is the cops find them out there. And of course, you're not allowed to live in Forest Park, so they are taken to a facility where they're kind of given the the psychiatric rundown. Come to find out the guy's actually a really good dad, has taught this this 13-year-old girl uh, really well, homeschooled her good, and uh, so they send them to work on a Christmas tree farm. And so the, the dramatic tension comes from the fact that the dad, who's a Vietnam War, or not Vietnam, but a Iraq War veteran, cannot live around people. Like he just he just can't do it. He he's agor- yeah. he's agoraphobic in the maximum. I don't know if agoraphobic is the right word because he is outside. But anyway, the point is he can't live around people, and she starts to want to kind of live amongst people. And it's right. like I didn't realize it until the end of the movie. But there's like there's no cuss words in it. There's like a scene where they get picked up by a trucker. They're trying to escape the Christmas tree farm, and they get picked up by a trucker. And my cynical mind from watching movies like American Honey and shit like that is like, oh, this guy's going to make a move on the little girl or whatever. Nothing. It turns out he's just a nice dude. And it was right. like, it was it's so like, refreshing to just watch a really good, kind of wholesome, but also emotionally effective and, and dramatically tense movie. So that, that on, on my on my major list, that's probably number three. So I'll drop that little spoiler. So that's all. Yeah, I, I totally agree, dude. Like it's full of that competency porn Mm -hmm. you know there's a there's a robert redford movie all is lost from a couple years ago where it's just robert redford and lost at sea dude lost at sea and him just doing shit and it you know doing shit well love it uh, and of course like um uh the martian you know you watch matt damon doing things well yeah Uh, and it's kind of mixed with them doing things well in the woods and this kind of running on empty vibe or mosquito coast i don't know if you saw those Mm -mm. the idea that there's a there's a radical father figure who is running from civilization in some way. And the children are hundred percent on board and they they've been raised well by them, but they're at that point where they're, it's time to let him go. Mm-hmm. It's time to let him go be in the woods by himself. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and like you said, it's, it, this is the exception to prove the rule because we we immerse ourselves in decadent deviant shit right and th- and this is a whole this is the kind of movie that like the midwest would say now that's a movie because right right it's there's like you said it's it's right down the middle of it's a it it would be considered the typical like young adult gloss of mm-hmm. you know they've made it they've made it safe it's if even though he can't live with people he does it he rejects society in the nicest possible way he's, for, yeah he's, he's not for violent a, he's not yeah, mean for a PC, he's, for a, yeah for a vet who's going through some shit this guy does it and he very gently says fuck you to civilization right. 
there's another no, great there's bit no too. There, yeah, there's another great bit too where uh, kind of along the lines of the trucker where when they're at the Christmas tree farm, the girl meets this boy. And again, my fucking Larry Clark ass brain is going every which way. I'm like, oh God, this is, and I felt tense in the movie. And I, I don't, I don't think the movie was trying to do this. I think this is a product of my own like desensitized, awful brain. But I was we've like, been, this kid's going to be some kind of sex pervert or whatever. But no, we've, the, we've, we've been in the woods too long. We've been in the woods too long, dude. And it's like, but the kid just raises rabbits and it turns out the girl just also likes rabbits. And she goes, goes to like a how to take care of your rabbit class and that's all there is to it the scene exists just to show you know that the world the world has these moments that are that are okay that's every every everything that she encounters is telling her that like the world is imperfect and and full of fucked up people but that it's it's actually it's not quite as bad as her father has led her to believe right right and it's also a bunch of outsiders um that are sort of like vaguely like she's a, they're the ultimate outsiders, but the movie keeps showing her a community of outsiders, like the rabbit kid, the guy on the road, mm-hmm. the, to some extent, the Christmas tree farm, and certainly the, the colony at the end, they're all outsiders too. They've all chosen to just barely, you know, coexist with the world. And it's still too much for him. Mm-hmm. And to her, she's, you can see her and you kind of, feel bad for her that it's that's like the sweet spot like she also is a little too good for the world but she could do really well at one of these you know self-proclaimed um unique people societies and there's plenty of room for her to join some sort of society and it's not corporate the corporate world it's not a foster home it's they give her all these options over and over again and she you can tell that she's like you know, I could use some conversations, Dad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and but it's all done in a in just a you know very PG thirteen young adult way, and it worked for once. It's kind of shot like a TV show, which I normally hate, mm-hmm. but I was you know I can't. But I they shot it in Forest that. Park in Oregon, and so the cinematography I thought was great. It's all it those does. like ferns and good. like the all yeah. the green ass moss on the because I, I that's the that's the park that I actually I used to go hiking in when I lived in Portland, yeah. and I recognized it pretty much immediately because it's like oh this is that jurassic park shit it looks really good it looks really good a lot of steamy mornings in in the park uh yeah it was good stuff so yeah it was a a surprise that does all the things that i'm really frustrated with and it's like oh you can you can do those things well so there you go and you actually see the building that i used to work in in portland in that movie so it's i don't know when they were shooting it i never noticed anything so but uh, you know, hey, yeah. maybe, maybe I was in that building at that at that at that time. <laughs> that time. And add another. I could it could be green room and uh, and leave no trace. So it's not really an almost good episode if I don't mention the fact that I was in green room at least one Where, time. You, were, you threw you threw a bottle. I threw a bottle you, in green room. You threw a bottle at the at the heroes. At the heroes, yeah. And then he yeah. fucking died, dude. I, I feel poorly about yeah. that. Yeah, but... you marked him. <laughs> marked right. him for death. Next list. Uh, Shoot. Next list, boom. The worst character of the year. The worst oh, Jesus. Okay. character oh. of the year is not a human being. I'll give you I'll give you a hint. Okay. Um, and you're never gonna get it, so I'm just gonna say it. Okay. The worst character of the year is nanotechnology. Oh okay. so and you know why it's so insidious? Because it doesn't mean anything? Be- yes. 
it all it doesn't mean anything just like the fucking holograms we were talking about but it's also it's horrifying to me it's like cgi within cgi it's like a way to get out of a script hole by making your already advanced what the fuck ever more advanced Mm -hmm. it's essentially just saying okay this movie is magic now but we want to pretend it's reality based so you know robot suits so it's like robot suits washing over people's face and things uh-huh. that should weigh, yeah. things that should weigh tons just flow and shrink down to right, dainty gloves right. and back again i know it sounds like all i'm describing is iron man right. but it's every but it's not just him it's everywhere now mm-hmm. it's like this it's just this fucking horseshit that, that's just magic and I, I'm just tired of masks whooshing over faces and off again. So that the well, people and it's can, also it's it's technology so that sure. if it did exist, it would be like, okay, why is the world not at complete peace right now? You know, yeah. this is miracle technology. But and it's sorry. and it's what's so cynical about it is it's a way they just knew that they had to find a quick way to show an actor's face. It's the same way that actually James Cameron did it really smart in the abyss where he wanted to be, he had to film all this stuff underwater. This was back before they would just CGI it today, but he, you know, he has to, he fills up a cooling tower of a nuclear power plant Mm -hmm. to film his movie because he really wants his actors underwater. And uh, he realized, well, we can't see their faces really with a, with a breathing apparatus. So he invents his own, so that it shows the entirety of the actors' faces. And it was so it had turned out to be such a good invention that I guess it's now actually used by these mm-hmm, dots. Di- mm-hmm, like it's he does he did that with military uh, lightweight armor in the aliens movie. Mm-hmm. Like he acts for his movies he invents technology that then the real world adopts. So he wanted to show faces, and it's kind of a version of that where they've written themselves in a hole because they're always making these characters turn into these fucking CGI game fight bullshits Mm -hmm. so they're like well we need to show their face real quick so they just have this thing kind of wipe off the face wipe on the face wipe off because you got to get the the actor seen or else it's worse than it's already bad enough but you know they're like you got to get the money shot where's their face the face is there the face is gone the face is there like uh, to have a a tire mask just suck away into you know the fucking earpiece of the of of sunglasses or something no you know what the first movie that did that was uh, Lost in Space, maybe? Nope. Because that one had some terrible masks vanishing. No, think, th- think about it. I, th- I think you can get this. Think about, mm. I'll give you a hint, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. And it had things wiping onto faces and off again? Yes, sir. Really? Really? Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Oh, I think I've... Have I stumped Keaton? Have you, Ooh. Have you blanked? Let me just go through Kurt Russell's entire filmography. <laughs> I can just tell you. I'll just tell you. It was, no, uh, no, no. Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Okay. Um, James Spader. James Spader and Kurt Russell. Is this just a dream you had where those two are like nope. fucking you? Nope. <laughs> no, 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 no. Are they in a movie? James Spader and Kurt Russell. I'm My dad's guy. face disappeared and it was Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I forgetting a movie starring the two? those two And guys? also uh, Jay Davidson from The Crying Game. Oh, fuck. No wonder I forgot. That was yeah. a terrible date. Stargate. Yes. Stargate, bro. Yeah. You're Remember right. the, the masks in Stargate? Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. You're right. And it just goes to nowhere. It kind of hides behind the back of their neck. It's like, where did it... well, I think I've been too negative on these movies. So my next list is the best opening sequence of the year, and it might be a surprise. Uh, what do you think? Your favorite opening sequence of the year? Oh, my my favorite one was in Cam. 
Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. feel you. Yeah, Not but good. it wasn't like it wasn't necessarily like an opening sequence in the sense of there being, I guess, title credits or anything like that. I just I like that. So opening fake uh, suicide. Yeah, the fake suicide thing I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, go ahead. Right. No, that was good. That was good. And um, mine is a bit of a surprise because the movie's not great, but I would definitely give it to Molly's Game. Ooh, Molly's okay. Game is uh, – do you remember the opening to Magnolia with all I the do. coincidences? Yeah. It's just like that where you where it's better than the movie. Where oh. that, that opening to Magnolia, you think this is going to be the greatest movie in the history of motion pictures. And then the only coincidence that comes up later in that movie is – the frogs affect everyone or whatever uh-huh. it's but at the beginning it's all these coincidences that are crazy complicated and all apparently real like the guy getting sucked up uh into the the uh, um the firefighting plane and, and his mm-hmm, frog mm-hmm. suit dropped in the tree and it turns out that the guy who sucked him up was a guy that somehow blah 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 blah, blah. well molly's game has an opening scene where I don't know if you know anything about it. Aaron Sorkin is a, a writer who writes very talky movies. He's like the, he's like a TV version of David Mamet. You know, it's, it's kind of not realistic speech, but kind of everybody gets a big speech. The old walk and talk. The old walk and talk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, this is his first movie that he's directed this year. Uh, it was Molly's game. Um, and I think it got nominated for, uh, unless it was that movie, was that 2017? I, I think it got nominated for best screenplay, but it might not have won, but he's totally swinging for the fence and it has little to do with the movie. The movie's, you know, a talk he fest like, like he does, but, um, an explanation of why Jessica Chastain, uh, goes into setting up. Yeah. So it's. The opening explains how Jessica Chastain, um, why she sets up this, um, this like bootleg casino. That's because she was going to be the her character is a real life person who was going to be a, who was an Olympic uh, hopeful or Olympic star. And I don't know if you wide wide world of sports opening where it says the agony of defeat and you see uh, somebody doing a high ski jump and just fucking eating it and rolling down the hill. Essentially, that happens to her in real life. And we get a very Magnolia kind of detailed explanation about what exactly went wrong in that moment. Like scientifically, what went wrong when she crashed and fucked up her spine. Mm -hmm. And it's I can't do it justice. So I would just encourage you to watch it. But it's full of information. It's full of characterization. And it's so good that, you know, the movie just can't live up to it. And it's a great – I saw it on a plane and I thought, I'm going to watch – I want to watch this at home in case there's some nudity the plane is cutting out. <laughs> um, but, I was in, but I was into it and um, it was good shit. But I know a lot of people that hate the movie and I know a lot of people that hate the Aaron Sorkin speech stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I work with um, – for, uh, for example, uh, Ron Hansen, the guy who wrote The Assassination of – Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. If you see the movie, the movie version of his novel has his own narration intact. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a talk. It's kind of a talk fest itself. And he took the time to come over to my office and say, God, I hated Molly's game. I hated that script. <laughs> so many speeches. Now, if that guy hated it, but then he also had to add, did Jessica Chastain have her breasts done? Which is <laughs> <laughs> where is 
the the talk led in his eyes in other directions, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah anyway, best sure. opening best opening sequence of the year, Molly's Game, I would say. And your your vote was Cam. Cam, yes, right? sir. Next list. Next list. Uh, best movies to evaporate from our minds completely. <laughs> I, and I, I have I have this list because 2018. It's it's a miracle we have a best of list because what a mediocre year for movies. Terrible. It was, Terrible movies. And I've never spent so much effort trying to find an amazing movie. I've watched more movies than I have in a long time because people kept saying, oh, watch this. Oh, watch that. Every one of them, C+. Mm-hmm. They weren't. And there was a lot of movies like this where I watched it and I thought that was good and then – seconds later evaporated from my mind you know what i'm gonna say and this one go ahead use what is yours uh bird box (laughs) bird box okay sure i couldn't shake my anger for bird box but uh you probably gave it the respect and attention it deserved which is it's a netflix movie that maybe you didn't feel like you wasted your time completely it made my netflix stock go up so here's to you yeah. Bird Box, but I, I hated it a lot more than you do. Well, no, no. I thought we were talking about movies that we wanted to erase from our minds completely. No, you misunderstood. What I said was the best movies that they're kind of good, but then when they're over, you forgot about them. Oh, completely. never mind. No, no, no. Bird Box was absolute shit. I thought we were talking about like the worst movie that we saw. Never mind. No, uh, not that thought, one. Okay, okay, okay. Um, what, well, what's a movie where it was good, and then you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot I watched that. Oh, damn. So it... Um, See, but that what a what a trick question because you would have forgotten it, so you can't answer this question. Uh, give me give me like three seconds. I can come up with something here. Um, okay. You let's... could always edit your thinking out. You could just jump to your answer. That's exactly it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, wow, all throughout the entire year, probably like Coco or something like that. Like a completely fine Disney movie, but I can't remember anything that happened. It just went poof. Yeah, yeah. I would probably say something like Coco. Okay. I have two of them. Okay. Um, And I was kind of excited while I was watching them, and then when it was over, I realized that it was just, like, junk food. It was flashy junk food or surface, in quote, important junk food. One of them was Searching, the Facebook movie. Okay. Um, The movie that takes place entirely on a laptop. Mm Mm-hmm. A very, very ingenious movie. It Everything about it works as far as making a movie out of just looking at the desktop of a computer. Mm-hmm. But when it was over, gone. I don't even know what the fuck happened in that movie. But I, <laughs> at the time, I was – I think I even texted – maybe it wasn't you. But I was like, this movie is working really well. What a clever conceit. And then when it was over, I forgot I watched it. Uh-huh. Uh, the same with Blind Spotting, which is a critic darling this year. And I feel like I was – I don't know if I was the advertising misled me. The posters had this like menace to society vibe. Right. And I don't think it did. That didn't do it any favors because it's more of a Friday vibe when you watch it. It's more of a it's more more of a Friday with a big dash of boys in the hood. And I did like I don't know if you got if you've seen it or got to the end where the dialogue turns into actual rapping. (laughs) And that actually kind of works more than you would ever think it would work, especially if you saw Chirac, which was unwatchable, the whole thing yeah, rap yeah. was like like a fucking rap opera or whatever, and it was terrible. And you know I love Spike Lee, so I can't even get through Chirac. But in Blind Spotting, there's this 
climax where he raps through it and it, it's pretty sweet. Um, I guess he's the, the guy who wrote, uh, Hamilton did the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's got that, it's got that like Hamilton vibe. Yeah. And, I started I to watch that one on the plane. It. I started to watch that on the plane yeah. and the, the opening sequence where it's split screened and on one side it's black people and the other side it's white people. And it's trying to like be like, Hey, yeah. gentrification. I turned it off after that. I was like, nah, yeah, I'm not watching it, this. That's what happened to it. It turned it, and it, I had the same thing happen with Crash, meaning the bad Crash, not right. the Cronenberg Crash, where I just felt like it got a little simple. Mm-hmm. And I also feel bad when a movie like that, and it's this kind of happened with Black Panther. You made fun of me for it, where I was like, you know who I was really into? The one white guy. <laughs> <laughs> and that totally happened with Blind Spotting because mm-hmm. there's a white guy who beats the shit out of somebody at a party who doesn't think, who thinks he's acting too black or whatever. Uh-huh. And I, I thought that that scene was really effective. And I don't know if I'm missing a point or if my enjoyment of the white guy scenes are problematic. Um, either way, I wish I could remember them because the movie has already evaporated from my memory. It's gone. Yeah. It's almost as though it's a blind <laughs> spot in your memory. What? <sighs> If I was if I was good at rapping, I would rap right now and say some some stupid shit about blind spotting. But no, I just I don't like that. I don't like Lin Manuel Miranda. I don't like Hamilton. I don't like any of it because of my. I haven't of this, seen Hamilton. Well, it's this horrible thing I have in my brain where I haven't seen it either, but I hate it because of everybody who likes it. I'm like, oh no, no, I am definitely I will not like that thing. It's kind of like uh, it's. Sort of like how I feel about Into the Spider-Verse, except Spider-Verse has the advantage of being a child's film. So I can actually be like, oh, no, that movie is for children, so I'm never going to watch it. But it's also like everybody who said like uh, everybody had this like hot take with Spider-Verse where they're like where they felt like that they were gaining some kind of like. Okay, so there's there's a there's a guy who you and I both know who always seems to like the opposite of what you're supposed to like right so and I, I call it the Armand White syndrome right where Armand White is a critic for the National Review he's a black guy who always kind of rails against whatever's popular and writes these really uh, purple prosy kind of reviews about stuff that he thinks is actually actually yeah, he, good he, t- he tie, ties himself in knots to try to yeah, prove exactly. right yeah right so basically so so i call it the armand white syndrome and i feel like that was one of the ones where it kind of grabbed every and i'm, I'm not denying that like it might be a, an extremely well-made film but i feel like into the spider-verse was like people feeling like they were going to earn some kind of points like oh you wouldn't expect me to like into the spider-verse but i did and it all kind of made me roll my <laughs> eyes which is a digression but but I, uh, I just, I can't, I, no, I will never I, like Hamilton. And I, and I started watching Blind Spotting, and I'm like, I know who this is for, and it's not for me. If Blind Spotting, I feel like if it gave me the idea that it was going to be something kind of akin to Good Time, which I also had problems with, but kind of like you know, yeah. two two guys from Oakland who, uh, you know have whatever conflict they have in the movie, but I could already tell that it was like stylistically incredibly clunky and that it was going to be this kind of like weird preachy movie that white liberals really enjoy. And everybody else is kind of like met on. I, I I could, I could smell it coming from a mile away. And And I I think you're right. You're, 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 you're both right. And maybe a little wrong because it, it's a little better than that. I thought I watched the whole thing and it gets better as it goes, but it does. But it doesn't get that much better. Mm-hmm. It has a good ending, but the ending is 
it's a little crash. It's a mm-hmm. little crash. Like I'll sure. leave it at that. Okay. Um, but that kind of, I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought up into the spider verse. Cause it leads me to my next list, which is something that you don't have to see because I have as a category, the best trailer to ruin a movie with the entire plot and big moments shown to us. So you don't ever have to rent it or watch it. Did, did spider verse do that? No, the, the but, predator. Did. Uh, it rem- yeah, that that did, and but it reminded me of that because it's a movie that I will never see. That supposedly, I guess it's supposed to be good, but I saw the trailer and I saw the whole fucking movie, and that's Upgrade. I don't know if everybody's telling oh, you to watch Upgrade. I've heard of it. Yeah, it's where and, he becomes a robot that can kill people. Yeah, and, and everybody's like, Upgrade is the surprise of the year. It's fucking great. So I thought, what the fuck? It's got a terrible title. How could it be any good? The trailer, it looks like it's probably pretty decent, but I watched the trailer and I saw the whole fucking movie. I mm-hmm. can answer any question, any question about Upgrade. If you would have seen it, I could have answered 45 questions about the actual movie and I've only seen the trailer. Mm-hmm. I know every beat of that movie. I haven't gotten so much info about a movie in the trailer since Prometheus, which showed me the entire movie of Prometheus. Like, I felt like I was hooked into... You ever Battlefield Earth, you know, there's that learning mm-hmm. device that they give the that just kind of like beams info into your skull. Mm-hmm. The trailer mm-hmm. for up the trailer for upgrade, the entire movie. <laughs> so you don't need to see it. So if you want to watch upgrade, just watch the trailer. And um there's some cool scenes in it. There's like a guy whose arm becomes a gun, and you get to see how he dies because for some reason, these trailers, they think if they just put a split second of an interesting thing in there, it's not enough for us to remember to ruin it. But we've been socially engineered by the Internet at this point that they've got to shake it up a little more than that. Because if you put even just a nanosecond of something, my brain will follow the narrative of that movie. What if they started easily. putting red boxes in? Like, remember in storytelling when the teacher fucks the student and there's a big red box in the R-rated version <laughs> because yeah. Todd Solins yeah. was so offended that he was going to have that scene cut that his his compromise was to just put a giant red box over it? What if trailers started doing that? Just like, oh, what is it? What's behind the box? Like, just treat us like the fucking monkeys that we are at this point. Like, hey, you're you're a baby, right? Like, look at these jingly keys. Wait, where did the keys go? Where did the keys go? And you're like, oh, God, I got to find out where the fucking keys went, dude. Dude, storytelling, you brought that up. I just saw that on the shelf. Um there must have been 10 copies of it. I haven't seen that movie available to buy since it came out. Mm-hmm. And I was in Rasputin's. And for some reason, there's a giant stack of storytelling. I don't know where they came <laughs> from. I don't know who decided to purge all of their copies of storytelling at once. Yeah. But if you want a copy of that movie, that was pretty hard to find for a while. On eBay, it was going for like 50 bucks. Oh, wow. There is a stack of, there's a stack of like 10 DVDs. Like where, how does that happen? Did, how did they all end up there? I, it's such a mystery. I can't figure it out. That like, did some mysterious. fucking psycho just somebody wanted all of them to get them off the shelf? Like, the, like when there's a bad story coming out in the newspaper, and like when Sally Field and uh, runs door to door to get so nobody else can see the bad story that's going to implicate her. Maybe <laughs> some, somebody in that movie bought up all copies of it. I don't know. That's crazy because it's a really good movie. Um, I'm I'm really surprised. And it has an ex- extremely dark ending that I think would be very uh good for these these trying times especially with the border wall and everything like that. Cuz remember the to be a certain the a, a cerebral person. Well, no, 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 not not not, is not, that, the not that part. No, the the ending is that remember uh John Goodman's family is terrible to this Mexican maid oh, for the whole movie yeah. and she fucking yeah. she fucking gasses like, them well, to death at the end. She, 
everybody. Yes. Murders. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, there was a third sequence that they cut out. Um, a third sequence with uh, fucking uh, the beak from Dawson's Creek. Oh, I guess. I don't know yeah. what is. I guess they just they made it into two stories of just fiction and nonfiction. They're titled. I don't know what the third one would have been called. It was probably a different trilogy when three existed. But that's why the movie's so short. There's a entirely separate third act that they just cut. That's interesting. Um, Whole, whole sequence that starred Vanderbeek. And then he went and did uh, Rules of Attraction instead and proved that he could have done the edgy material because he's good in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good movie, actually. I liked it. But speaking of speaking of sequences, the worst sequence of the year, a movie that you probably would never watch in a million years, The Post. The Post is one of the worst movies I've seen this year. Okay. It's about the, the Washington Post, like, blowing the whistle on... Um, uh, the Watergate thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, imagine, <laughs> I can't describe to you how bad this movie is. It's for people that saw all the president's men and thought, let's, what if we got rid of all the interesting developments about Watergate and just concentrated on one conversation about whether to publish some information on it. And that, do, that doesn't even give, it doesn't even, it doesn't even do it justice how bad this is. Like, like imagine all the president's men with the vibe of Hook. That's how oh, fucking wow. bad it is. Interesting. It, it's Spiel, it's Spielbergian in the worst way. Hmm. Like, and, and this leads me to the worst sequence of the year. There's a group of there's like a house full of people arguing about what to do about publishing a certain newspaper story, and I can't even describe it. Do you know like when there's a fight in a cartoon or like when the Tasmanian devil's fighting someone and there's a cloud of just like mm-hmm, fists mm-hmm, and hands mm-hmm. and the cloud just kind of rolls around? There's a moment in this where all these newspaper people are arguing like toe to toe. There's probably like 10 of them and they're all moving as one and shaking papers and yelling and this mob in the background like moves from room to room and it's I don't know if it, that it's supposed to be funny, but it's a, it's so unnatural and dumb looking. Imagine a group of 10 people toe to toe and walking as one and shaking papers at each other, fake arguing. That's how fucking fake and stupid this movie is. Oh, wow. Yeah, no. And it's it, the, it feels like it's, it's, one, it's trying to be topical, too, you know, because you, you could do that in a topical way with stuff. It's like, trying to be like satirical. Yeah. Like it, Edward Snowden or whatever, but you know, it's like, who who cares, man? It's all dumb. I have one, two, three more tiny lists before the big list. You want to go through them rapid fire? Yeah, let's do let's do it. Uh, let's do it rapid fire style. Yeah, go for it. Okay, ready. And the most watchable worst movie of the year is was reviewed on our show. Nope, there was a most watchable worst movie of the year. It was terrible, but. I can't say I didn't enjoy it. Go for it. Dipshit heat. Dipshit heat. All right, fair Dipshit. enough. Next one. Best, best decapitations of the year. I have two. two. Hereditary. De- yep, yep, you got it. Yep. Tony Collette. Uh, oh, I'm oh, sorry. That I, We should say there's two decapitations in Hereditary. Yeah. Uh, the little girl's head get knocked off by the pole, and Tony Collette, Sawing her own head off. Right. As our friend Jessica said online, 
Lord, give me the strength and resolve of Tony Collette sawing her own head off hereditary. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, a, that's a good and line. The other, and the other decapitation, uh, I don't know if you saw it, Puppet Master Littlest Reich. Did not see it. Has a, it's, it's got some ambitious gore. There's a scene in it where a guy is taking a piss, gets his head sl- slashed off, and it drops in the toilet. And so from his so you get an overhead shot of his penis pissing on his own like horrified face. That's amazing. And yeah, that sounds good. Like straight, like like a like in the foreground, his dick just pissing on this dude's decapitated face in That's the dope. in the toilet, and it's like an old school effect. So they must have built a fake toilet and put it on an actor's face and dangled a rubber dick in front of him. <laughs> it was. I had to. I had That's to give awesome. it give it a thumbs up. Um, best. The best adultification of young adult material. Uh, have you watched mid nineties yet? No, I haven't. Mid nineties. It's um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a weird category because, you know, it's, it's like movies with young adults, but certainly adult version uh, They're adult movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's something that's not very fashionable anymore. So the mid '90s, good example of it. Uh, also, there's a movie called Eighth Grade. I do which, want to see um, that one. That one looks really good. Yeah, so you know, it's it's certainly young adult age, but not but for adults, it's not as harsh as like Welcome to the Dollhouse, but it's very real. Um, it may be kind of sad watching it, and because it's probably exactly as I remember my life as an eighth grade girl. Next list. Next list. And finally, oh, this is the end of my short list. Um, slightly older movies that were just before 2018 that took me forever to finally watch because for whatever reason, they weren't available to me. The best slightly older movie that I shouldn't have waited to watch, L. Fantastic movie. Absolutely fantastic Paul movie. Paul Verhoeven, dangerous film. Saw, saw it in the theaters, dude. Way a thousand times more brave than anything, with the exception of the Gillette ad, which oh, you know, I cried. I cried. That's the, bra- that's the bravest thing this year. Yeah. The worst movie that I finally got around to watching, Passengers, that uh, fucking Chris Pratt garbage where they overestimated his likability, probably sunk his career. Oh yeah, he's stuck on a spaceship alone. That has to travel like a hundred years or whatever. He wakes up the prettiest girl in a sleep pod to curse her to die with him and then lies about it. But for some reason, this horror movie plot is played like a love story. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazingly bad. Yeah. Terrible shit. And that is it for my short list. We are now at the top ten top ten movies of the year. Top ten. Would you like to do yours first? Um mine are in no particular order. Um uh, we could start with um... With, uh, start throwing them out. I got, uh, I got five. Because you're hesitating. I got five. You got five? Yeah. Okay. Well, then let me start so that we'll overlap and I'll get more in. Okay. I start with on my top ten list. I got to give it to Night Comes for Us. But don't ya. I The Night Comes, it should be called The Night Comes for Us one at a time because they, even though the fights are amazing, people do kind of hesitate to run up and get their asses handed to him one at a time thing in these movies there's a movie called uh <laughs> new world which was a korean gangster film and there's a scene in new world where uh this gangster who's had a hit put out of him goes into this elevator 
and there's this action yeah. and so basically there's like six guys in the elevator and they all have knives and he has a knife too there's a big knife fight in the elevator that's shot from the top down and the camera's kind of spinning mm-hmm. with our hero as he's spinning around stabbing people but as the scene is happening everybody is still stabbing him right and that's one <laughs> of the only instances that i've seen where nobody waits for uh, for him to to kind of like come after them, like he probably gets stabbed about fifty times during the fight because they just keep stabbing him, you know. Uh, but yeah, no, it's yeah. a good point. And night comes for us, by the but way. Like, also, is my number five. So there we go. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I mean, we, I just love it. It's there's a lot of things that are like the like we just said. There's these tropes of those kinds of movies, but this movie, through sheer volume of brutality just sidesteps all of those complaints. There's a, like we said earlier that there's these actions, there's these fight sequences that are amazing. We haven't even mentioned some other fight sequences. Like there's a shootout in the back of an armored car yeah. where people are just riddling each other with bullets at point blank range in the face. Right. And he, it's, and he, 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 like he tases kind of somebody in order to get him to shoot himself in the face. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, it kind of reminded me of that. Do you remember Ian Flux had, yeah. Uh, do you remember the original Ian Flux where there were those tiny cor- cartoons where she would just die over and over again? Uh-huh, not yeah. the not the series. And there was one where it just kept going back and forth from characters on either side of some ongoing war. Mm-hmm. Where and this movie is like that. Like it just picks somebody and it sticks with them long enough for them to die or kill somebody in a horrible fashion. Right. Right. And it's and it's amazing. And Did it you makes notice the And it makes no bones about like not really having a plot. Like it, I think it does really good about like kind of doing little micro plots. It's like, oh yeah, here's the yeah. I also like that there's one guy who they call like the white guy who doesn't look white at all. Oh dude, oh I was yeah. gonna I was gonna bring that up. Yeah. Do you think that is that like is that the Asian movies community like oh, kind of fucking with us for when we cast white people as yeah. Asians? I think that so, guy's yeah. clearly Asian. Right, he's clearly right. Asian, but he just like has a beard. Yeah. They're like, oh, he's white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, and a hoodie, and he looks like he eats a lot of Cheetos. Yeah, yeah, but he's still they, somehow just it. this monster badass. Yeah, yeah. I just I, at first when I was watching, it, I thought, is this too much of a good thing? You know what I mean? It's like yeah, too sure. much dessert. But you know, at some point when at some point when like after the pool ball massacre and when he's when that guy's punching that metal support beam. Yeah. And it just making it just looks painful when that there's like a fist eye view of him hitting that support beam. And the last image, which I'm going to let people experience for themselves. There's a final image where that's when it won me over. I just said, fuck it. Yeah. Top 10. I, know, I know you're talking that about. Yeah. Fuck, top 10. So you go ahead. Top uh, top, top ten, top five. What do you got? Okay, so number four, I got Annihilation. Annihilation. Okay, okay, yeah. 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 Um, as far as people that we know who had movies made of their books, Annihilation, <laughs> the the clear winner. Oh, clear winner by far, books. by far. On the one hand, you have, and this is not not a obviously not a judgment on either of the authors, but. Bird Box was a gigantic uh, steaming pile of shit that has only increased in in my hatred as I've seen it uh, gain this kind of fake popularity that where Netflix is just claiming that people are watching it and there's no way to tell what that means at all. At all, they're like, now it's now it's at eighty million. It's like, what does that fucking mean? You know what I mean? And why don't 
they should just claim they should just one day say today we realize that everyone in the world has watched bird box why not just go the full nine i mean why not just do it the numbers are all the first number was what four hundred thousand, and now it's at fifty million. Like no, no, no. It was at forty. It was at forty-five million. That was the first one, and that was big because that's where you did the math, where you figured out, oh, this would be the biggest opening of all right. time. And of course, you know, it's taking into account that Netflix is in like what fifty countries or something like that, and you know, and it's also free, and it's on their front page, and it's just sitting there. It doesn't doesn't fucking mean anything about the movie and now they're like now it's up to 80 million and this is like it's completely unverifiable nonsense but i, I don't want to get too and negative it shows how yeah let's not get too negative but i, I was it, it's a good way to make people think well i want to be part of something and yeah. now everybody is for sure for sure but yeah, annihilation but annihilation, i thought uh, annihilation, it, it was well paced it was well shot i mean it's alex garland so it's great and i actually i it's probably also has the distinction of being the only movie I've seen twice this year because I watched it again with Rios. So I watched it once, uh, tripping a little bit of balls, and then once uh, completely straight as an arrow. <laughs> and it didn't hold up as well as the ball tripping, obviously. Um, but it also but it, still. But there's a. How did that melancholy hold up? I remember you were really into it. Played that fucking like Crosby, Stills and Nash thing, and it got you in a it got you in a mode. It did, did it still do oh, that. And I loved it. Yeah, I love. And when they're when they're the final scene, not the final scene, but the kind of final sequence where they're uh, walking across the uh, kind of beach where there's all these diamonds that have kind of made palm trees. I had completely forgotten about that. I think I was in another world at that part of the movie uh, <laughs> and only snapped to when the giant blob thing uh, replicates her or whatever. But so all right. that kind of stuff just played so well. And it has this sort of non-flashy where it doesn't, it doesn't seem to have anything in that movie just for the sake of having like a cool sequence in a trailer. You know what I mean? It feels like mm-hmm. characters moving between like these artistic almost movements. You know what I mean? And it, it has yeah. a very clearly defined first, second and third act. It has uh char- like I, the second time through, like I really connected with the characters a lot more. They're really incredibly well sketched for how briefly they're on there. It's like kind of a clinic and how to do that, especially uh Tessa Thompson's character who turns into a tree like she's really like right. kind of subtly put in there and like her kind of big sister, little sister vibe with the, with the psychopath who kind of loses it with the bear. It, it, it makes all yeah. that work a lot better. And then the overall, like the mother character who's uh, sort of killed by the bear and then the evil stepmother who kind of has cancer, but is going in there for her own reasons. Everything in that movie works really, really well. And I think it worked even better the second time once I was a, uh, not, not on acid and, or I'm sorry, on mushrooms and, and two, uh, uh, you know, just better able to kind of like pay attention to how it worked. I really, I think the annihilation was really good. Awesome. I'm going to watch I need to watch it a second time. I'm kind of excited now that you said it holds up so well. My, uh, I'm not going to say it right now, but my number one movie, um, I watched twice as well, but I'll get to it in a second. Do you want to kind of like um, do sort of like, cause are you on, are you on nine right now? Do you want to maybe do nine through seven? <laughs> Sure. Um, number eight. Eight. And these might not be in order. Wait. So wait. These ten was are, night comes nine. for us. What, what uh, was nine? Yeah, I don't. I I don't know, dude. This is not going to be. <laughs> <top>. <laughs> it might. It might. My top ten might be thirteen. It might be seven. I don't know. Okay. But I will say the next. The next one on my list is. Um, I'm I actually. I'm going back and forth on this. Roma. Roma. I don't know if I don't think I'm gonna. I think I'm going to knock it off the list right now because 
I've, I've thought about it and there's not enough going on for me to really lock on to it, okay. but it's a populated, it's a populated movie, which is rare these days. Okay. You know, like you don't have to have like 10,000 gladiators or a line of horses coming at you over the horizon, but you have to populate your movie in a way that has some sort of scope. Okay. And if you compare like Roma, Roma to like Bird Box, which is an apocalypse movie populated by apparently like three people in a soundstage mm-hmm. and lit like a fucking game show, it doesn't feel like a movie. And Roma feels like a movie, and I think it got me more excited than I should have been. It's also probably the best looking, most movie movie Netflix movie so far. Okay. It's the guy who did uh, what's his name, the fucking director Clark of Gravity, did, uh, Children of Men, yeah, yeah, all that shit, yeah, sure. And um, it would not have been out of place in a theater. So I think my excitement over that overshadowed the fact that not a whole lot happens in it. And it made me start thinking of, like, are Amazon original movies more movie than Hmm. Netflix original movies? And I think they are. I think when you look at Amazon, we got Neon Demon, Wiener Dog, Manchester by the Sea, Patterson. They look like movies. And whereas Netflix movies... Especially the dramas look like a you know a fucking Activia commercial. So um, anyway, like box, the, uh, yeah. that leads me to my, that leads me to my next top ten selection, which is an Amazon original. So if Roma was the best that Netflix could do, so it's almost on there. I replace Roma with You Were Never Really Here, which is an mm. Amazon original movie mm. from the director of Need to Talk About Kevin. Um, if you need to talk about Kevin as her movie about motherhood, this is certainly her movie about fatherhood, and I like it more the more that I think about it. And we have an whole, a whole episode about that one. Same as Annihilation, folks, by the way, if you want to go back to the archives. Did you, um, what do you, did it make your list? Uh, you were never really here. I might've liked it a little more than you did. No, I only had a five. I mean, if I was to probably expand it out to a 10, um, no, you know, I don't, I don't know. Oh. I'd have to think about that. Um, it had some really good sequences, but you know, it's like you said, man, it's like, I mean, it might be on the top 10, but it's just cause this year was so fucking bad. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And normally you're absolutely right. It wouldn't make a normal top 10 list, but you never, it squeaks on best use of a seventies schlock song song that I've never been to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's, and it's for, like I said, it's for the, it's the fucking, it's horror noir for the dads. You know, yep. it's a little dumber, a little more noble than mm-hmm. Kevin. Um, but it's on my list. Uh, keep them. Let me keep them moving. Um, I've also got Mandy. Mandy made it. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandy's on my list. Mandy might not have normally made it in a year full of big move like a big lynch cronenberg scorsese year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but this year man mandy's on the list cool. um, uh, and you want me to keep moving keep cutting yeah keep it going uh, man hold the i got i got hold the dark on the list Ooh, interesting hold the dark. interesting our um, lost episode and which yes our lost episode i would also uh, that just proves me a liar because technically a made for netflix movie so if the the made for Amazon and Netflix movies are toe to toe, I would say Hold the Dark, and um, the fucking Hammer Party I just talked about. Uh-huh. Those are definitely on there. Um, and I got Thoroughbreds on my top ten list. Oh we wow! Talked so to, you're we, you're picking all these movies that like I thought were were good, good but I think uh, I think good, I'm being a little bit more cynical than I, you, man. I, I think may, I'm like I may have settled. 
I may have settled, dude. I did like but Mandy. I mean, I like all these movies that we're talking. I like Mandy. I thought Hold the Dark was okay. I thought like I thought Thoroughbreds was okay. But when I'm thinking like you know, like a top ten, I don't know if I can do it, man. That's why I'm sticking to my top. But five. Top there are five ten... movies that I really loved, and so far I like your integrity. Yeah, well... I like your integrity here, dude. But I would say <laughs> in 2018, where it was such a mediocre year, I think that though those are about as good as it got. Now yeah. Thoroughbreds. We've we've talked a lot about it, and I think that might say something about that movie. Uh-huh. That movie might not work in the moment. It's the opposite of the movie that evaporates once it over once it's over. It's led to us having conversations after the fact, and I and I'm going to give it some credit for that. Sure, fair um, enough. It's definitely a so, great. It's definitely a, a good, a very good movie. I would say, yeah. Um, and now we're getting into the ones that I guess would be like rivals with your top five. Where okay. I just think they're amazing movies um so there is we can, is, just, we can or, say, look, I, you, you squeeze one in what do you okay got? so i got again three my number three was leave no trace uh and then my number two was hereditary which means you probably know what my number one is uh i'm not maybe. gonna i'm not gonna guess it yet but um spoiler alert hereditary was my number one movie of the year Ooh, i and wonder if we have reversed ones i wonder if we have reversed one and two might. Okay, cool. we might. You know what? Hereditary, dude. Hereditary. I saw it twice, and I, when I really like a movie, I'll see it more than once. It's the only movie I saw twice in 2018. Nothing came close as far as engaging an audience when I was in the theater seeing mm-hmm. it twice. Mm-hmm. It's a horror movie with real grief. It rattled me a couple times. It's kind of like uh, I enjoyed The Witch when it happened it, okay. it, and i think that this is better than the witch as far as a, like a quote serious horror movie i gotta give it to it i think it was the best movie of the year's hereditary nothing comes close absolutely it fantastic looks, it's, and it's also it's got it's, it's got it's occult stuff right too i mean everything yes. everything in that it looks, movie it's a, go ahead it's good across no just i was gonna say across the board it's got style it's got fucking the top the four performances in that would be the best performances in any other movie totally. and there's four 100%. of them 100% I will say I will say I will say and it's also just again from the occult perspective like they got everything right and it's a movie people have like been weirdly picky about it like oh this didn't it's one of the only horror movies outside of mm, I don't know maybe like Get Out where all the rules actually make sense and it sticks to those rules especially once you know yeah the twist at the end. I don't know if like the second viewing, knowing what's coming, uh, made everything make a lot more sense, but it follows its own rules actually really well. Yeah. And I'll fight somebody who says that it doesn't make sense or that it breaks its own <laughs> rules. Cause it, it really doesn't. It makes, it makes total sense. So, um, you want, me, you want me to say my number one? Well, don't, no, not don't yet? say it yet because I think I have, I have two more to squeeze in before. One of them is definitely my number one. Well, our... I would be shocked if you left this one off. So okay. go ahead. Maybe not. I might have got confused. Uh, I think this would be technically number three for me. Uh, the night that the night eats the world. Didn't see it's, it. Um, it's a, a French zombie movie. Um, if you like, twenty eight weeks later, you know the beginning of twenty eight weeks later is them hiding in a house and shit uh-huh. goes to shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like the whole. That's the whole movie. It's the whole. It, it's as. It's a miracle they do. It's a zombie movie done now, and it still feels great. It feels like a, you know, it feels new. Um, a lot of shit just worked for me. I don't know if I was in the mood for it, but 
I would I would highly recommend it. Okay. It's and the idea of somebody stuck in one place and the kind of shit you would have to do to survive and the kind of ways you'd go crazy. Like he has a there's one zombie he has stuck in the elevator and he just pulls a chair up next to it and talks to it every night. That kind of shit was great. And people being stuck in one place, you know, that was done relatively well in Quiet Place, which is nowhere near my top 10 list, but still a fun movie. And done really bad in Bird Box. I called it it's Freudian slip. I called it Bird Bots because <laughs> the fucking Netflix bots. Yeah. But but yeah, people being stuck in one place in that movie did not work. If you like people, if you like somebody stuck in one place. I was going to say, does, does, this, does this movie have people doing stuff in it? They do. He does stuff, dude. He oh does man, stuff. no, a, I'm definitely excited it for it. Then. Very seventies movie. Night eats the world. Okay. Which leads me to. Um, so I already gave away my number one, so I would say my number two and my final movie on my top ten list. It's might surprise you, dude. It's not what I think you thought it was. Oh, interesting. It's a let the corpses tan. Oh, it's not what I thought. Okay, cool. Then I get to have my first one be a surprise. But yeah, tell me about. Okay, I do want to see Let the Corpses Tan. I saw the trailer for it. It looks really good. Oh, uh, it's 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 right in your wheelhouse. It's um, as far as like foreign violent visual feasts, this and Revenge were kind of toe to toe. Revenge was just a little too goofy. Revenge is like the French Mandy. It's got a lot of gooey effects. It's got bugs and animal imagery. Okay. She, I don't know, you remember, I think you watched Revenge. She cauterizes a hole in her stomach with like a heated beer can and uh-huh. there's like an eagle brain tattoo. There's some cool shit in it. Um, but this fucking movie, dude, Let the Corpses Tan, very Sergio Leone, big shots of sweaty faces, creaking windmills, dusty landscapes. It It's a low-budget movie, but it really leans into its, its scenery, cool. which is what you got to do with it's technically an underpopulated movie that I complain about, but they lean into it. So you have like every so often they, they have a, like a model of the set of the movie built on the ground with ants running over it. Oh, wow. Shit like that. I love shit. Like that. That's awesome. So shit like that is amazing. And you, if you have no eye and if you have no landscapes, like the director of Bird Box, you can't right. do shit. Right. It's like. But anyway, this movie, Let the Corpses Tan, it's like a hyper-stylized version of the climax of Way of the Gun, you know, that dusty yeah, shootout? Yeah, yeah, Imagine that for the whole movie. The whole movie is a dusty shootout, and it's it's like, I would say, it's Leone meets Sam Raimi meets Jordorowski. Um, it's, just fucking, it's just fucking great. It's ticking and all ants, my boxes, dude. dude. I love, dude, it's fucking ants running over a model of the movie. I mean, a little peck and paw. A lot of love for it. I, I might even make it my number one just by talking about it. Wow. This and Hereditary, my number ones. Go ahead. What do you got? Number well, one. Well, you probably know what it is, man. My number one is uh, sorry, gonna, sorry, sorry to bother you. Oh. Sorry to bother you. I knew it. Yeah, knew yeah, it. yeah. Sorry to bother you is my favorite. It's just like talking about like movies that I knew nothing about it going into it. The marketing 100% worked on me. It looked stylish and cool. And I really like Lakeith Stanfield because of his work on uh, Atlanta, which is my favorite TV show in the past several years um, where, yeah, he plays this kind of like Zen stoner drug dealer guy in that show. He's really great in it. Um, but so I was, I was excited to see it just right off the bat. And I just like, so here are the, some of the things that I like about it. So it's not exactly, 
it's not exactly funny. It's not laugh out loud funny. I don't think I ever like really chuckled out loud. Um, but it has this kind of vibrant, alive energy to it where it's tonally inconsistent in a way that I really enjoy, where it kind of shifts between eight different movies with each scene that it's in, you know, and like all of a sudden we're, you know, it does this thing where we're focusing on characters that we thought were minor characters at first, you know, like they, they take time out of the, the regular plot following Lakeith Stanfield moving up the ranks as a, as a telemarketer in this kind of bizarre corporation to focus on like his girlfriend who's falling for this like activist dude. It's just, it's, it, uh-huh. it does this weird thing where it do, it can't pay attention to anything until it finds yeah. something that it's actually interested in. And then it pays attention to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, it makes total sense. And I, I feel bad for not having on my top 10 when I have all these mediocre movies, but I think it, it speaks to the generation gap between us where sure. that's that scatterbrain kind of thing that I know you really enjoy it, I there was a lot of ways that left me unsatisfied. I actually made a separate list of bonus audacity award of the year. Okay, and cool. that and I got that and Cam as like movies oh, that cool. yeah. surprise surprised me by the where it went it went further than I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. As far as I, I just wasn't satisfied watching that movie. And I think our if people want to go back and listen to our episode, we dig into it a little deeper about. I, uh, it's definitely the clear winner over Black Klansman if you want to look at a movie that's inspired by Spike Lee but better Spike Lee mm-hmm. in the year of the big Spike Lee comeback. It definitely kicks his ass. Yeah. But yeah. I'm not going to – I'm not because it's your number one, it makes me want to revisit it. Uh, everything you say is absolutely true. It's it's a fucking ballsy movie, and it's a I think it's a new movie vocabulary for your generation. I think so too, and I think I think, but I think Maybe. that it's one of those things where um, I think that people have tried to do this in the past, and they've tried to. I think the last time a movie did something like this was Fight Club. Now, Fight Club is a movie that feels like it's always trying to keep your attention, whether it's turning, you know, Ed, Edward Norton's apartment into an Ikea catalog or, you know, doing freeze frames or cigarette burns or whatever. But it feels like Sorry to Bother You does that without any kind of gimmicks, except for, of course, at the end when there's horse cock flopping around everywhere. But <laughs> but for, for most and of the movie... Stop motion. It's got stop motion. And it does, it does have special. stop motion. That's it big, does, yeah. Big, Big respect for stop motion. It, it, it does have this, it. but that's all. That's all in like the bonkers final twenty, fifteen minutes, whatever. Um, up till then, it kind of just keeps your attention with like set design and costume design and and the kind of charisma of the actors and and not even mm-hmm. and the dialogue isn't snappy in ways that i hate like they're not constantly like they're not zinging one-liners at each other constantly i don't know if you noticed that right. about this movie but it's not like it's not the aaron sorkins or the the shane blacks or the quentin tarantinos they're know, they're talking to I'm each other by that that's kind of like i I think I'm kind of burdened by that being my movie vocabulary is mm-hmm. showy dialogue where you're more of a showy visual guy. Yeah. Um, although I shouldn't say that because my corpse is tan. It edged out revenge because of the weird visuals of like a woman pissing on someone's head. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm into weird visuals, but I do love the fucking talky talk, dude. Yeah. And well, read if you read one of the, uh, Dave's books, which you should, it's called the last projector. You should go buy that. <laughs> It is uh, 
it's it's everything well, that Dave loves about movies distilled into a book. I think that's fair to say, right? I'm, I'm not making fun of you. I think I think that's fair. No, no, it's everybody gets a speech. I'll tell you that. Yep. Um, I should I should note that there are two movies that would probably be on my top ten list, but having a baby ruined any plans to go see that, those movies. Mm. Suspiria probably near as I can tell, I haven't seen it yet. Really Suspiria, did want to, I, I wanted to see that too. Yeah. I was never able to make it to Suspiria. So let's assume it's on my top 10 list and uh widows intrigues me. Could go either way on widows. I've heard, I've heard it's mixed a, things. Yeah. I've heard really mixed things about it from people that I trust. Yeah, it's a Gillian, Gillian Flynn scripted, uh, heist movie. Um, mm-hmm. all women. I loved her, sharp objects so much which i feel is like a, just one big movie that i would probably put that on my list too that i, I have high hopes for widows those yeah. those probably would have been on my list um let me just switch locations really quick because we're gonna put the baby in here okay. um i'll be back in five seconds just a second since we're get, since we're getting long i'm the only list i have left is my worst of the year all right let's do it um, rapid fire and and whatever cool so, zingers you want so, to throw uh, at them okay um, so, uh, we go from the top 10 best movies. Here's my worst five movies of the year. Cause it was a big mediocre year. So it, it, it was so mediocre that I don't even have a lot of worst movies because everything was right in the middle, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but as far as things that I just thought were complete, complete dog shit, uh, Meg, terrible, terrible movie. Okay. Um, I complained about that in, in the last couple episodes. Uh, fucking uh, Jurassic House, worst <laughs> yeah. five movies. Fucking terrible. Solo, that fucking Star Wars movie. You can't see a goddamn thing. Um, that's an underpopulated movie where they just make everything happen in this black void yeah, to uh, disguise yeah. the fact that there's that it's an underpopulated movie. The Star Wars movies um, in general have been pretty fucking bad. It's been interesting to me. Like I, I remember thinking like how excited I was for a a Star Wars movie every year. And uh, turns out that was a really bad idea, which seems crazy because it feels yeah. like you could populate that universe with so many different stories. And the big mistake they make is they, they, they can't help themselves but try to tie it into the main narrative. And it's like, just yeah. make the fucking make a fucking Boba Fett movie or something. You know what I mean? Or like some some character maybe. Oh, I, here's a thought that we haven't seen before that just kind of does stuff on Tatooine. Anyway, that, that would be my idea well, now, for a Star but, Wars movie. Holler at me. Is somebody who does what... Uh, what Ray does in the Force Awakens, like a, a trash scavenger, but that's the whole movie. That's what I want to yeah, see. Yeah, now you're because you're because of you, dude. We're gonna get stuck with a fucking womp rat movie. <laughs> um, other uh, uh, top five worst Cloverfield Paradox was probably in a year of bad Netflix movies. That was the worst fucking Netflix movie. Really, it was fucking terrible. Um, really? Yeah, and leads me to my number one worst movie of the year. It's kind of funny because we did an episode on this where we couldn't even be bothered to watch the fucking movie. Okay. And that is Ready Player One. I oh, went back yeah, and watched. Yeah. I, I felt like I hadn't done uh, due diligence when we were making fun of it. It's – it's not uh, – it, it, I'm speechless how bad that is. It's a floating is. Funko Pop island in the Pacific of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, dude. It's the fucking worst. Um, yeah, that's my – and I had some biggest disappointments of the year where not terrible, just letdowns. Uh, Black Klansman, The Endless, I go back and forth on. That's a half of a good movie. 
Winchester, I thought it would at least be interesting since I live next to the Winchester mansion. Uh, Black Panther, um, I, it's, I know we've been through this before. I just want to skip forward to the brave new future of equality so that I don't have to go through so many fucking batteries on my bullshit detector, but Black Panther is not good. And um, I had Ocean's 8 on my disappointments, but now it's just, it would probably be on my worst top five. It was fucking terrible. It's Ocean's 8, you'll never watch it, nope. but it's a, bu- it's a bunch of like woman of a certain age actress icons that middle-aged dudes pretend they think are hotter than any young actress because mm-hmm. they don't want to get internet murdered. You know? Yeah, 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 for sure. Kate Blanchett is my queen. Um, it's like, is anyway, she though? Really? It's, it's, okay. Yeah, yeah. Dude, is that what your porn channel looks like, dude? I don't believe you. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a half hour epilogue after the heist that just puts you in a fucking coma. The heist itself is idiotic. They chop up a necklace so they can all strut out the door wearing jewelry. But meanwhile, no one searches them. So one person could have snug, smuggled it out. Um, I mean, Ocean's Eleven weren't masterpieces, but, you know, I'd argue that's why you didn't need this one. Like, why did you need a soft reboot, not quite remake loophole or whatever of these, this genre of rich people on vacation? Like, it's not Dude, a they're movie. They're going to have to, if they're going to start rebooting franchises like, like they did with Ghostbusters or Ocean's whatever, and, you know, like, they're going to have to start... And Black Panther as well. Well, maybe not Black Panther because it did so well. But they're going to really have to start making sure these movies are actually good. You know, because they're, they're just like, they're, yeah, they're like, getting I, their I, conceit going. And they're getting like, oh, we're doing it with a with a girl cast, which is cool. And I'm for 100%. They've got to stop. Like, they've got to stop stopping right there. You know what I mean? Like, stop stopping right at the right. conceit. You know what I mean? Well, that's why I think, yeah. No, I'm with you, dude. I, I wanted Ocean's 8 to be good. I think widows might be what I wanted, but I don't know yet. Right. But like, just to have all these fucking surgery crones gliding around, they're like, mm-hmm. they remind me of Dark Crystal, the fucking Skeksis. <laughs> they're right, like right. these bejeweled, these bejeweled people just kind of like floating around uh-huh. on smarm. And there's no, vil- there's no villain in the movie. There's some YouTube idiot named Aquafina who does some like inner city pickpocket bullshit. I mean, I, I don't know. I was well, probably, it's like it's kind of talking was, about what we're talking Ocean's about. It's 8. like it's more frustrating. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, I can. I was just going to say I that like that one of one of the things that's kind of good about uh, Annihilation is that it does have oh. you know a full female cast that it then actually like makes a movie around it. So just throwing that out there. I will say my last word on movies this year is you probably thought I was going to say Bird Box was my biggest disappointment of the year. But I will instead say that Bird Box viewers were my biggest disappointment (laughs) of the year because they were all lying when they said they loved it. Yeah. That's where I'll leave it. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Ba-da-da-da-ba-ba-da-ba-boom.